Okay, welcome to episode 32 of the Burning Bush Podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Hope everybody's week is going good, and uh, thanks for stopping by the podcast this week again, where I am smoking the Drew Estate Nica Rustica El Brujito 6x52 in the Toro size, which is what... The El Brujito stands for. It's the Toro. So let me go right on in and head over to the Drew Estate website and let you know about the cigar. Nica Rustica is a medium to full strength cigar that is blended to showcase native Nicaraguan tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa. Aficionados will enjoy this rustic smoke that is robust and deeply satisfying. Genuine Connecticut Broadleaf encases Nica Rustica and imparts a subtle natural tobacco sweetness and spice. This is a medium to full-bodied smoke. It is blended to be rustic, unpolished, unrefined for hardcore tobacco lovers. Con Orgullo, with pride, is embedded deep within the people and the culture of Esteli, Nicaragua. Estelianos have embraced the image of El Brujito as a sign of pride and display it throughout their city in ironworks, graffiti, and sculpture. Carved into stone over 6,000 years ago by a flourishing pre-Columbian civilization, El Brujito literally means witch doctor, or to the locals, the shaman. Early shamanic practices included the use of tobacco in ceremonial and medicinal rituals. And the wrapper is a Connecticut broadleaf medium. The binder is Mexican San Andres Negro and the filler is Grade Nicaraguan from Esteli and Jalapa. Strength is medium to full. Taste profile is dark, rustic, spicy, robust, and a very long finish. And the cigar style it says is a potent, robust, and fulfilling smoke. And the Vitolas that comes in are El Brujito, which I'm smoking, the Toro size, 6x52. The Belly, which is their Churchill size, 7.5x54. And the Short Robusto, 45 x 50 So check out the uh, El Brujito if you haven't yet from Drew Estate. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a different kind of smoke, but I really enjoy it. It's nice to, uh, again, like the Kentucky Fire Cured, to mix it up a little bit. It's, it's one of those cigars that uh, I kind of forget about every once in a while, and then I'll run across them and pick up a five-pack and, and enjoy them. So check them out. Okay, now that we've gotten this week's cigar taken care of, let's go ahead and get into Mike Heiser's book, What Does God Want? And the reading this week is the final chapter of, or the final section of chapter eight, rather. It's titled, Why Live Like Jesus? I said a moment ago that there are a lot of reasons to live like Jesus, but earning God's love isn't one of them. What are those reasons? First, sin is self-destructive and not only harms us, but those around us. In my own extended family, I've seen the effects of alcoholism, drug addiction, and infidelity. It's obvious that these things destroy lives. 
it should be equally obvious that the things the world, the unbelieving culture, offers for pleasure and self-gratification are temporary and have no enduring value. The culture tells us to live life, to gratify our own happiness, regardless of the misery our decisions create. It offers no eternal perspective. It beckons us to live only for the now. There is no higher calling. The Bible exposes this mindset for what it is. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. 1 John 2, 15-17 Second, and in many respects the opposite of the first, living a godly life blesses others. The truth is that the way we live and think either blesses other people or curses them. Jesus served people and was a blessing to them. Pursuing a lifestyle driven by self-gratification and self-absorption isn't fulfilling. Every supermarket tabloid offers examples of that reality. Blessing people not only reflects Jesus, but leads to personal fulfillment. Your life matters when it's lived in service to others. Third, a godly life allows us to be a consistent witness for the gospel. If people look at our lives and don't see any distinction from the unbelieving world, and don't see a life lived in service of others, they won't find the gospel believable, or at best they'll be confused. They will see our lives as a contradiction of the message of Jesus. In other words, people will expect us to live like Jesus, the person we say loves them. That's not unreasonable. The alternative is hypocrisy, and no one appreciates hypocrisy. Living a godly life isn't about earning a place in heaven. It's not about putting God in our debt because of the spirituality points we've racked up. Passages like these have an altogether different focus. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12, 1-2 But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready 
for every good work. 2 Timothy 2, 19-21 So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2, 1-8 through These passages give us some idea of how we should live, but we still haven't got to the specifics of discipleship. How does a disciple live? What does a disciple do? Fortunately, Jesus and his original disciples, the first Christians, made that clear. Jesus never told his followers to do something he didn't do himself and showed them how to do it. They, in turn, followed his example and taught others to do the same in the early days of the fledgling church. That brings us to the end of chapter 8 of Mike Heiser's book, What Does God Want? And next week we'll start chapter 9. We're getting pretty close to finishing up the book. Still not sure what direction I'm going to take after that, but uh, we'll figure it out. So check out the show notes for the links to this week's cigar, to all Mike Heiser's stuff, his podcast, his books, his uh, theology school, as well as uh, Groundworks Ministries for daily devotions and Bible study. Check out uh, the link to Burning Bush Podcast Merchandise Store. Pick up some materials to help spread the the word about the show. I'd appreciate that. And until next week, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless. Mm -hmm.